Welcome to the Miracle Channel podcast. Every week, you'll hear powerful messages from world-renowned pastors that air on Miracle Channel, Canada's 24-7 Christian TV station. And if you want to watch more of their messages anytime you want, check out our online streaming service, Corco Plus. Follow the link in our show notes to create a free account in three simple steps. Today on the podcast, you'll hear a message from Joseph Prince. Joseph is a leading voice in teaching the gospel of grace around the world. Through his television program, teaching resources, and best-selling books, he's impacting millions around the world with God's love, grace, and favor. You can watch Joseph Prince Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 3.30 p.m. Mountain Time on Miracle Channel. And now, Joseph Prince will explain how to see breakthroughs as a result of learning how God's blessings come not by your own strength, but by the unmerited favor of Jesus. Let's dive into the message. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Uh, It's amazing, just recently I was listening to a message and uh, I was amazed that uh, there are people coming out with voices really strong, wanting to keep the law, going back to the law, not understanding the purpose for which God gave the law. I am for the law for the reason God gave the law. All right, God never gave the law to justify anyone by. God gave the law so that everyone can become guilty. And it's almost like we forget that the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And wherever grace comes, it changes the situation. You see, many people, and even some preachers, all right, leaders and pastors, sad to say, all right, I don't gloat in that, I'm just, I'm just grief to say that they have more faith in Moses than in Christ, the Son. They have more faith in sin than in God's grace. They have more faith in what the old Adam did than what the last Adam, Jesus Christ, has done for us. And it comes out in their preaching, in their fears, in their apprehensions. No, friend, if you expose sin to grace, all right, grace swallows up that sin. Sin cannot stop grace. If sin can stop grace, sin is greater than grace. In Galatians 5, the Bible tells us, Christ is become of no effect unto you. Now, that's a horrible thing. We don't want Christ to become of no effect. All right? If you are a sinner, you want Christ to be of effect. All right? In his righteousness. If you are sick, struggling, the doctor gave you a very bad prognosis, you want Christ to be a healing to you. The only thing that can stop God's favor, God's grace from flowing in your life is self-righteousness. Because the moment you are into self-righteousness, you are saying, Christ, step aside. I don't need you as my righteousness. I have goodness of my own. Are you listening? He cannot be of effect. All right? Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, not whoever sins, Christ becomes of no effect. Whoever is justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. Self-righteousness produces condemnation. And condemnation is an indication. Just like when you have measles or you have an outbreak and all that, it's a, it's a symptom of something inward. Right? Fever means your body is fighting infection. So the same thing, condemnation means what? You're in self-righteousness. Grace cannot flow where there is condemnation. When Jesus taught the, the disciples how to speak to the fig, I mean to the mountain, be thou removed. Remember that the, the, the whole episode was because Jesus came to this fig tree 
It was on the way from Bethany to Jerusalem. Many times, those of you who are there, you walk down the same path. The fig tree is no more there, right? It's cursed. All right? But there are other fig trees there. And, and the fig is a very interesting tree. After winter, where it sheds its leaves and all that, all right? The moment summer comes near, springtime, it will put out leaves. And the Bible says that Jesus went to one of these fig trees looking for food, for fruit. But the Bible says the time of figs was not yet. So why did Jesus go to the fig tree having leaves, the Bible says, having leaves, but no fruit? And why did Jesus curse the fig tree if, if it's not the time for figs? Well, if you go to Israel, and that's why it's beneficial to go to Israel, all right, you learn that the fig tree in Israel has something called bikura. And the word bikur is the first fruit, figs. Long before the season of figs, all right, there is a first fruit fig. And the fig tree representing Israel, Jesus came because it has leaves, it has a profession, an appearance that is carrying the first fruit. But Jesus found no first fruit. And he cursed the fig tree. He, he didn't curse it because he was angry. He didn't curse it because he lost his temper. He cursed it because it's an object lesson. All right? Fig tree, leaves, no fruit. Sterile, he cursed it. Why? Because he doesn't want people to be deceived. The first mention of fig leaves is Adam and Eve covering themselves with fig leaves. So fig leaf represents what? Self-righteousness. And when you're into self-righteousness, listen, faith cannot flow. Faith cannot flow. The law is self-righteousness. And that's why in Galatians it tells us Yet the law is not of faith. The law is not of faith. Listen, the law is not of faith. It's on performance. The man who doeth them shall live in them. So the moment you are in performance, your faith cannot work. If you are in speaking and believing, speaking and believing, speaking and believing, that's the spirit of faith that God wants you to have. Are you listening, people? If you are under self-righteousness, under performance, your faith cannot flow. Amen? So Jesus taught us how to believe and speak. Believe, speak. So go back to Mark 11. Then Jesus, Peter, remembering, said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the next day, the fig tree which you curse has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, he believed that what he says happens, will happen, it will happen. This word doubt is actually the word that means is diakrino. In, in Greek. It's a very interesting word. It actually means making a difference. Jesus is saying, all right, when you, you know, when I speak to the fig tree, the same way I spoke to the fig tree, you can speak to the mountain and it will obey you. But more than that, let's go deeper into the root meaning of dia krino. The word dia, when you, whenever you find the word dia in Greek, it means through the channel of, by means of, dia. Krino is the word for judging, judge, condemn. So you put them together, is the word, the root word is condemn, there's condemnation in your heart. That's why you're making a difference. That's why you're doubting. That's why you're wavering. There's condemnation in your heart. Dia krino, through the means of condemnation. Now, I'm going to show you somewhere in the scripture where it brings all this together. Okay? In uh, Romans 14, real quick. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Now watch this. Happy is he, referring to food, okay? Drink, not drinking wine or drinking wine or eating meat and all that. So Paul finally says, do you have faith? Happy is he who does not condemn himself. Watch this word, condemn. It's the word krino. 
So diakrino is actually condemning yourself. If you condemn yourself, you cannot have faith operating. Why? Because self-righteousness is an operation. So Jesus said, you can be saying the right things, but make sure there is no self-condemnation in your heart. Happy is he who does not crino himself in what he approves, but he who doubts the opposite. By the way, the Greek, diakrino, same word that Jesus says don't doubt. He who doubts, he who makes a difference, all right, because he's feeling condemned. He's condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. Whatever is not from faith is sin. Okay? Amen? Are you all learning, folks? These verses bring them all together so you understand what crino is, what is doubting. God wants you to come to a place where there's no condemnation in your heart. And the only way is to see Christ as your righteousness. Having all your hope and your longings in Christ as your righteousness. During praise and worship, you're worshiping God, your righteousness. God, your justifier. God wants us to live life rejoicing in God, our justifier. I'll close with this. Very interesting, beautiful story that begins almost in a very depressive way, in a sad way, but ends up glorious, like the things that God does. It's a national disaster from the Old Testament that is unprecedented in Israel's history. Year after year, God warned Israel not to worship other gods, not to worship idols. And they worship all kinds of idols under every green tree, on hills, they will even sacrifice their babies and their toddlers to their gods as a human sacrifice. And in 386 BC, Nebuchadnezzar came in, the king of Babylon came in, and God allowed him to have victory over his people. He burned down the temple, took all, enslaved all the people of Judah, people of Israel, and brought the best of them into Babylon. 36 years after Nebu took the people of Israel captive, a king of Persia by the name of Cyrus conquered Babylon. He told all the Hebrew people, go back and rebuild the temple. And I'll provide for you. So that's the thing uh, that happened at the end of 70 years. All right, Israel in captivity started going back. All right, to ruins. Just nothing but ruins, ashes. The temple has been raised to the ground. So what happened is they came back, and two years after they came back, they woke up and said, hey, don't forget the purpose for which the king sent us back to rebuild the temple. So this is what happened in Ezra chapter 3. Now in the second month of the second year of their coming to the house of God at Jerusalem, Zorobabel, Zorobabel, by the way, he is the prince of the house of Judah. By the way, you will find his name in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. He is the, the descendant of David, King David. And you will find his name mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. All right, Zerubbabel. He went back as the prince of the house of Judah. He became the governor of the work. He's the governor of Judah. Okay, came back as the governor of Judah. Then Joshua the son of Josedek. Now Joshua, the other leader, became the high priest of this remnant that returned. Church. These two leaders represent our Lord Jesus. Number one, 
kingly reign, Zerubbabel from the house of Judah, kingly line, kingly leadership. Then we have Joshua the high priest, a type of Christ, the priesthood, together king priests. So they started work, all right? They began work and appointed the Levites from 20 years old and above to oversee the work of the house of the Lord. So they started work, and always remember when you, when you are building the house of God, the devil will not try to leave you alone. How many understand that? Okay, next chapter. Then the people of the land tried to discourage the people. They troubled them in building, and they hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. In the reign of Ahasuerus, in the beginning of his reign, they wrote an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. And guess what happened? The work, effectively, the work stopped. The work of building stopped. You know how long it stopped? 12 years. Now, God never told them to stop. During this time, what happened to Zerubbabel, the leader? What happened to Joshua, the high priest? They are leaders of the land. We don't hear of them. Whatever it is, God's people became discouraged. They allowed this accusation to come in. For 12 years, the work was in abeyance. Nothing was done. At the end of 12 years, God raised up two prophets by the names of Haggai and Zechariah. Haggai was young and Zechariah was younger still. And God raised these two prophets because the work was not done. You know what Haggai did? In Haggai chapter 1, you'll find it because of time, I'm going to share it with you real quick. Haggai went to the people and said, Hey guys! <laughs> is, it, is it time for you to live in sealed houses or panel houses? In those days, when they are building God's temple, they will all live in tents. Sealed houses means they now have a roof. They have a ceiling. They are no more having the pilgrim character or just, you know, building a tent for the house of God, make sure the house of God is built first. God's house is not even built. Only the foundation is laid and they stop the work and they now have ceiling houses. So Haggai says, what is this? You are living in sealed houses and you are saying the time to build God's house has not yet come. It's not time to build the Lord's house. And Haggai says, look at your life, what is happening? You drink and you're not quenched. You eat and you're not full. You earn wages and you earn it to put it in the bag full of holes. Guys, he says, because God's house is neglected. Seek ye first God's kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So that was Haggai. All right, what about the teenage prophet Zechariah? He has another book devoted to him. All right, the book of Zechariah. God showed him what really happened. Would you like to see it? What happened to these two leaders, Zerubbabel and Joshua the high priest? The governor and the high priest, God showed Zechariah. Chapter three of Zechariah. Then God showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. For the first time, we see a character we don't see. We see about the writing, the poison writing. We hear about the opposition, the hired counselors, and, and, and all the persecution. We don't hear Satan, but he was working behind the scenes. And how was he working? Remember the name Satan, Ha-Satan in Hebrew, the one who accuses. And look at Joshua the high priest. What happened to him? 
All right, he was, Satan was standing at Joshua, the high priest's hand, to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand, referring to Joshua, plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Now we have an insight why the work stopped, why the people were discouraged, why the, the opposition succeeded. Because as the leader goes, so goes the nation. As the leader goes, so goes the family. As the leader goes, so goes the company, the corporation, whatever it is. Everything rises and falls based on leadership. And the leadership was under condemnation. Joshua was under condemnation, evidenced by the filthy ropes. Remember when condemnation comes, what stops? Grace stops. If we allow ourselves to come under condemnation, in effect we are saying, Christ, I don't need you because I have my own self-righteousness, which is evidenced by condemnation. Are you listening, people? And the moment you are, you are condemned, favor stops, grace stops. Huh? The opposition succeeds. All right? So what's the solution? Next verse. Then God answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him, to Joshua, God said, See, I have removed your iniquity. Past tense. I have, so look at it. See, see this, Joshua. I have removed your iniquity from you, and I'll clothe you with rich robes. It's called robe of righteousness. And I'm telling you with a voice clear as crystal right now in Jesus' name, God says, see, I have removed your sins. The church is saying, we're going to walk in holiness. We're going to walk in holiness. What the people need to hear is that, see, I have removed your sins. Because the guy that was lowered down, sick of the palsy, they broke the roof to lower him down to Jesus. He has no power to walk until Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven you. And that empowered him to walk in holiness, walk in power. Unless you know your sins are forgiven and know it clearly, you have no power to walk. You know it like a, in a haphazard way, your walk is haphazard. <laughs> All right? You know it in a clear way. Good. Have a strong walk. Amen. So we're not promoting something that people say, well, you know, grace and holiness don't mix. No, grace is the power to true holiness. Amen. That's Zechariah chapter 3. God showed this young teenage prophet what really happened behind the scene. But there was another leader, right? Zoro. <laughs> Zerubbabel, the governor. What happened to him? Next chapter, chapter 4. God showed this prophet, Zechariah, a menorah, the lampstand. I won't go into the lampstand. Another time we'll go through it. Then he asked the angel who talked with him, saying, What are these, my Lord? The angel who talked with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. Listen. The angel is about to show Zechariah behind the scenes about Zerubbabel now. Let's follow. Next verse. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. It is not by power, your human performance, your human smartness, smarts. It's not by all this. It's by my spirit. When I breathe on you, the unmerited favor, things fall into place. So you know what, Zerubbabel, God is saying, 
you are discouraged. You think that I don't have the financial might. This remnant, they are poor people that return from captivity. They don't even have time to build their wealth. You know, I have nothing, no resources to work with. And God is saying, Zerubbabel, it's not by might. It's not by your power. It's by my spirit. You have before you a great daunting task, like a mountain. Who are you? Say this, Zerubbabel. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. And how will this happen? And he shall bring forth the capstone. You know what's a capstone? It's the final piece of the building, which means the building is finished. You will finish the work with shouts of... Oh, come on. Shouts of... Shouts of... I'm telling you, church, when you say grace, your eyes is on God's unmerited, undeserved favor. Yeah. The mountain that is so big will become a plain. Amen? So God restored both Zerubbabel and God restored Joshua. And they rose up. Do you know when the building was completed? The same year Zechariah prophesied to both the leaders. It was done so quick. Because the king at that time, all of a sudden, they had favor with the king. Remember this? They are back now in righteousness, consciousness. They are back to the fact that Christ is their righteousness. Guess what happened? Amen. Joshua is now obvious, uh, conscious of the rich robes of righteousness he's wearing that is not of his own making, but of God's providing. In the moment he's conscious of that, they had favor with the king. And the king commanded that all the resources, at this time it's Arcturus and Darius, and all, of, and all the resources will be provided for the building of the temple. And this is a command from the king let it be done speedily the moment they got their hearts right all right to be established in what Christ has done not what they have done favor float Amen. influence float Amen. grace float and they finished the entire building in the same year Zach, uh, Ezra 6 so the elders of the Jews built and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai, the prophet, and Zechariah, the son of Edo. They prospered through the prophesying of Haggai and Zechariah. Church, do you understand? You prosper through the prophesying, through the preaching ministry. When you are sick, what do you do? Listen and listen to the word of grace. When you are suffering, what do you do? Listen and listen to the word of grace. You are feeling down, feeling depressed. All right? Listen, don't do, don't perform your way out of it. Listen your way out of the depression. Amen. Amen. And they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai and Zechariah. And I'm just in my introduction. God bless all of you. Give him praise, church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's hear that name. Let's hear that name. Amen. He is altogether lovely. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to hear more great messages from inspiring teachers like Joseph Prince. Rate this podcast and write a review if you haven't already. And share this message so others can be encouraged by this teaching too. So subscribe, rate, review, and share. We hope you were inspired by today's message. God bless.